All right. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. So I think this is a cruel joke since it worked last week when Mohan was here and I was not. All right. You know, I was thinking, uh, it was ladies last night, night last night, and, um, and y'all had a great time, didn't you, ladies? It was just wonderful. They had dinner parties all over town. People were having dinner with their neighbors, and then they came up to the church, and they celebrated, and I wasn't even invited. And I, I guess that's the way it's supposed to be, you know, but I'm the founding pastor of this church, you know. We're going into our 30th year, and Carrie said I wasn't allowed to show up. But that's fine. But now you're treating me this way too. So, so praise God. Everybody, just be patient with us. We, like I said, we have um, a new system that is installed. And so we're working on, on that. I'm so glad that, uh, that you are here. And um, I'd like to talk to you today, um, really speaking mostly to our congregation, you know, there are 52 years, 52 weeks in a year, and this time of the year, I usually carve out two or three weeks where I speak to us about what we can accomplish together for the kingdom of God, how we can sacrifice, serve, work together, and contribute for the kingdom of God. It's, I like to do it this time of the year because it's, it's, this is the season of generosity. It really is. It's, it's, it's Thanksgiving next week, right, everybody? I mean, some of you are already thinking about your Christmas gifts. It's, it's about what you are giving, and, and this is the season that we're in. And if you're new to Christian life, I just want you to understand that, um, that during this time of the year, I challenge all of us to come together to make a contribution to what we call a legacy offering. Now, many of you are familiar with this because we've been doing this a number of years. And this is, this is a time where we come together as an offering above our normal monthly routine or our weekly giving. And we ask the Lord to show us what we can contribute one an, with one another uh, to accelerate and advance the kingdom to impact and empower uh, people. It's, this is all about people. And this year our legacy offering is on December the 3rd. And so for the next couple of weeks, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this opportunity for you and I uh, to establish a legacy for the kingdom of God. And this is the culture of what we do around here, everybody. And I, I, I just want to pastor you through all of this. You know, I've been out uh, quite a bit doing a lot of ministry stuff this, this last few weeks. I was down in San Antonio. There's a church down there that I helped get started, and I'm, I'm one of the overseers of, and we were ordaining some ministers there. So a couple of Weeks ago, I was down there. Then we had Mohan come in. And how many of you enjoyed Mohan? Uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, Mohan and Ronnie are so delightful. We, we can't wait to go and help. He's got 30, 300 pastors that, that work in their network of churches in India that we're going to be going to, to minister to in uh, December. But I've been so missing you and been so looking forward to just this season that we're in. And uh, there's a lot of things that's just really burning on my heart that over the next two or three weeks, I really want to share with you. And I hope that you uh, will embrace this. You know, I know that this is the time of year, which is really just any time of year that everybody's asking for money. 
I mean, every time you turn around, there's a telethon, there's letters that are in the mail. You know, there's warnings about scammers. People are scamming right now. By the way, y'all need to be careful. The, the scams come out this time of year in a, in a major way. And, but, but what I'm doing today in these next uh, few weeks is not trying to scam you. I'm not trying to pull any money out of you. I just want to talk to you about having an impact, making an e impact on eternity, establishing a legacy, a, a, a legacy offering. What do I mean by this? Well, legacy is what people remember when you're gone. But for us, I want to say that more than that, a, a legacy is what God remembers when we're finished with this life. In fact, let me, let me show you something. This is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Just, just, just pay close attention to this, everybody. It says that God's not going to forget it. In fact, when you are helping God's people, you are expressing love to him. And these are his people. And so every ounce of effort, every offering, every dime, every dollar that you put into the kingdom that helps advance our comfort, our ministers to, or bring people to the Lord, God says, I won't forget that. And this is what pleases the Lord for us. And so for the sake of, of just giving you an understanding of where we're going these next few weeks, I'll just say it this way. I want to talk today about legacy living and grace giving. Legacy living and grace giving. You know, there's more to life than just this life. In fact, you were born with a purpose and that purpose is eternal. And I'm convinced of this, everybody. I'm convinced that we really don't, we're really not able, fully able to realize what our purpose is until we are truly born again. Until God has done something in our hearts that awakens our awareness that there's something bigger and beyond our own life. Everybody, are you with me with this? And once we are really born again, the Spirit of God awakens that inside of us. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, very famous pastor, past, uh, uh, passage. It talks about how that uh, there's a season for everything. There are all kinds of seasons. You know this. You've heard sermons preached on this. But verse 11 says, And he has made everything beautiful in its time or in its season. He has also set eternity in the human heart. And he goes on, it's hard to fathom that. But God's put it inside of you. Alanda was talking about this grace that God has given us that draws us to God. It's because God's put something down inside of you. We like to call it our knower around here, right? There's, 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 there's something inside of our spirit and whereby we are able to know God. We're able to know by faith things that are eternal. And a lot of people disagree with it. But when you know God and you know what he's done, nobody can talk you out of it because you just know that you know. Is there anybody in here that you're, you thank God for your knower? Yes. So you come to know that eternity is real. He set it inside of, of your heart. And so when God awakens this awareness, I think it's really important for us to step into the calling that God has for us to accomplish. And, and I realized, like I was saying, you know, there, that, that sometimes, you know, you see homeless on the street corner and, and you, you know, you have people that are asking for handouts every time you turn around. And sometimes it pricks your conscience and you're like, man, you feel compassion. Other times it just annoys you, right? You know, I'm not here to annoy you, everybody today. I'm not here to annoy you. I'm here to excite you about eternity. And, I, I, and, I, and I, I want to give you a good understanding, really, of what we're doing. Um, when I talked about our legacy offering, 
And there's two questions I want to answer uh, for us as a church body. By the way, those of you that are new are not, and, or maybe you're just checking out Christian life, there's no pressure. I'm not trying to force you or manipulate you anything. This is a, actually a good Sunday for you to be in church because we're talking about money and we're talking about your money and the church's money. And oftentimes that's one of the biggest complaints why people don't want to go to church is because people are always worried about money or is their money going to be abused and all that. So I'm going to give you a good perspective, I think, uh, of the spirit in which we operate today. Is that all right, everybody? So two things, two questions I want to answer. One is the giving of a special yearly offering. Is there a scriptural basis for that? Question number one. Number two, how can I give away money when things are so tight for me right now? And I want to answer both of those questions today. And I, I think the first one, is I want to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. This is a New Testament uh, passage. There's two chapters in 2 Corinthians that the apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Um, and this is chapter 8 and chapter 9. Now, I find this so interesting. Um, in fact, I've studied this passage so much because it's so... Um, I think relevant to what we want to accomplish here today. And when you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you'll find that a year before Paul wrote this letter in this New Testament letter that has become a book for us, a scriptural book for us, a year before he wrote this, the believers at Corinth had began collecting money for the persecuted saints in Jerusalem. Now, you remember we studied the history of the church a little bit, the beginnings of the church in the summer, and you remember that the church of Jerusalem was intensely persecuted. In fact, there were people that were disowned, people were, were uh, kicked out of families, and, and the church was persecuted, and there were a lot of really poor people. And the apostle Paul, as he is reaching out to the Gentiles, his love for the Jews in Jerusalem he was collecting money. In fact, he had an assignment and he was going from church to church expressing the need and encouraging them. This is what he told the church at Corinth. On the, first, on the first day of the week, every week, I want you to set aside a sum of money that's in keeping with your income. In other words, you take a portion of what it is, set it aside, and then I will come and collect that money. And Paul said... I'm going to personally deliver this offering to the church in Jerusalem at a particular time. And so the church at Corinth had begun this work, but it kind of got stranded. They kind of got, it, it, it kind of got, um, you know, distract, they got distracted from it. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's coming back to them and he is encouraging them to keep it going. There actually were traveling preachers that were going around and they were accusing the apostle Paul of scamming them. In fact, this is very true. He basically, there were people that were coming and saying that Paul invented this collection thing for Jerusalem, but he's really going to pocket the money. He's just extorting money from the congregation. And so some of them doubted him and, and they stopped giving. But the reality was, is that Paul had taken no money from the church at Corinth. In fact, Acts chapter 18 tells us specifically when he was reaching out to Corinth, he worked as a tent maker. He worked a side job because he did not want people to accuse him of abusing his privilege and taking money from the church at Corinth. This is fascinating to me. This is the spirit in which that he, he operated. And so everything was above the board. And so Paul is saying that that's not what's happening. I'm not pocketing this money. In fact, you need to finish the commitment that you made because all of the other churches are doing the same thing. This is the backdrop to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There was a special offering that the congregations were putting together to help support a great need that was bigger than what one person could meet. So they would do it collectively. So with that, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Today, I'm talking to you about the grace of giving. Our grace giving. Next week, I want to talk to you under the topic of legacy living. What does that look like for us today? Second Corinthians chapter 8, fascinating passage. Look what it says. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace 
that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, I'm, I'm underlining that word grace because I want you to see the Apostle Paul says there's something that is upon these churches, and I want you to recognize it because there's something special that is upon them that is enabling them to do something, a grace, a gift to accomplish something. He said, look at verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they, the churches in Macedonia, as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And I want you to see this, everybody. I want you to notice that this grace that was on them gave them a want to and not a have to. This is really important because this is the heart in which we want to operate when it comes to giving and receiving. Is that we want you to operate out of a grace that gives you the desire and the will to do something instead of a, the pressure or some obligation that you are forced to do something. He says that out of their out of the midst of an amazing trial, economic difficulty, there was this overflowing joy that welled up. It just bubbled up out of their extreme poverty. Here's the question. Is it possible to have joy and deal with poverty at the same time? For Americans, most of us would say no. But if you've ever traveled to a third world and you've seen people that are so in love with Jesus and have experienced so much grace and they have maybe one-fifth of what we have here in America and they're filled with so much joy, then I would say to you, yes, it's possible to be overflowing with joy, not because of what you possess, but because who lives inside of you. Somebody give me an amen. And here's the thing, joy and poverty can coexist because if eternity has been awakened in your heart, then you can find joy in making a contribution that pleases the Lord and doing something great for God. It says that beyond their, they gave beyond their ability. It was entirely on their own. In fact, they urgently pleaded for the privilege of giving. In fact, Paul never mentions the amount that they gave. He never, he just says that there was a grace on them to give. I, I found this so interesting because there was no, you know, gimmicky fundraising uh, pattern that Paul followed. There was no program that, that was a, a gimmick. There, you know, you know think, think about it today, you know, for $25, If you, Church of Corinth, would just give us an offering of $25, then you will receive this special quill, the very quill that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And for those of you partners that want to give a 1000 you will get to have dinner with the Apostle Paul and Titus himself. And... For the gold club, those that would give 50000 or more, come with me on an all-inclusive cruise across the Mediterranean to the land of the saints of Jerusalem. You will walk the Mount of Olives with me and hike up Mount Calvary, and you will spend the night with a select group of people in the very upper room where Jesus ate his last supper with the disciples. That sounded a lot funnier in my head than it did in my delivery. I'm just saying this is the way that we do things in America, and it's sad. This is not the, the spirit in which we should be operating in. 
The spirit of generosity comes because God gives a grace upon you that you're thankful for what the Lord has blessed you and you want to invest knowing that God's going to, God's going to take care of all of your needs. If you'll care about the things that God cares about, he will care about the things that you care about. Can you say amen? Look at verse 5. I'm just reading chapter 8 and chapter 9 to you today. I'm giving you a few verses. He says in, in verse 5 of chapter 8, And they, the Macedonian churches, that out of their poverty and their trial, they're just giving, they got grace to give. It says, And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Look at the next verse. So I urge Titus, just that he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also completion this, there it is again, everybody, this act of grace on your part. This act of grace. I'm talking about giving from a grace-filled life. So this is an act of grace on your part. Verse 7, and since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Here's my message to you, everybody. Let's see that we learn how not just to excel in all of our other gifts and all of the other talents that God has given us and accomplishments, but let's excel. Let's go beyond what was even is expected of us, and let's excel in this grace of giving. Once again, he's not talking about amounts. He's just talking about this incredible grace that enables us to give in a certain way that leads us not into regret. I'm going to keep reading, everybody. This is just so good. And this is the foundation whereby we do a lot of things when it comes to raising funds, money for missions, or for vision for next year. And I want you to see verse 8. He said, says it this way. I am not commanding you. I don't know about you, but I just, I just love this. And as the lead pastor, as the founding pastor of this church... It so resonates with me because I'm not about start to start commanding you. In order to be a member of this church, you have to do that, and you have to do this, and you must do this. Listen, we got delivered from the law of a have-tos, and we have found a love for Jesus and enjoy the liberty of the get-tos. It's a whole different perspective of serving God, not from the position of fear, but from the position of love. Can you say amen? amen? So I'm not commanding you. I just want you to, I want you to identify, you know, where's your sincerity level? I mean, compare yourself to others. They're just giving out of the goodness of their heart, out of the grace that God has given them. For verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. There's so much here to teach on, but you know that the, the grace that was on the Lord Jesus, that he gave up his life and became poor, became sin, so we could become sin-free. Verse 10, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but to have the desire to do so. I love, don't you love the way he's talking it's, he's talking about you, you had a desire to do so. So now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it might be matched by the completion of it according to your means. Here again, he's not talking about amounts. He's talking about equal sacrifices. For some of you, you have more means to give more than others have means. But we all can give according to the grace that is upon our life. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to one what, what one has, not according to what one does not have. So notice the internal motivation, desire, willingness, grace. Grace giving is how we want to give, and it's how we want to train our children to give. Do you, do you know right now in the month of November, some of the parents know this, but some of you that don't have kids in the back, you're not aware of this. But the, the children right now are raising money 
they are, because they want to contribute on the legacy offering on December 3rd right here. I find that such a precious, almost everything we do. I'm not surprised that Casey and the team that's doing the, um, the musical uh, theater thing for Christmas, I'm not surprised that they're asking to bring. It's like every time we do something that involves our children, our teenagers, our middle school, our adults, we always are taking opportunity to collect and give to those that are in need. Because the spirit of generosity, the grace of giving is upon this church, everybody. And this is, this is part of the culture of what we do here. And if you're sitting here thinking, man, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling pressure or, or he's, he's coming on too strong, then you're missing the whole thing, everybody. Because I, I, I would never want you to do anything for the Lord out of being grudgingly or out of obligation or because you have to do that. If, if you feel guilted into giving an offering or you feel shame because you haven't been giving last year, then you're not really hearing the spirit in which I'm, I'm speaking today because it's not my job to put guilt and shame on you. Guilt and shame comes from the devil. I'm, it's, God is the one who sets us free from guilt and shame. It's my, it's my job to lift guilt and shame off of you because you don't have to live like that, everybody. There is grace, there is love, there is forgiveness, there is a future, there is a life, and God has that for you. And don't ever feel obligated or guilted into something because that's not God. And that's not the way we should operate at Christian Life Church. Can you say Amen. God has called us to a grace-filled life. And we want to equip the next generation to be good stewards. We want to see the spirit of generosity come awaken in this congregation. But not the spirit of stupidity, right? We, we, we want you to be good stewards. But we don't want you to be stingy saints. So we together can accomplish so much more than what we would do individually if we would work together for the kingdom of God. And so there are five elements from the very next chapter, chapter nine, that I think identify grace giving. What I'm talking about is the grace to give to God sacrificially beyond, you know, what would be expected of you. And I'm going to give you five of these. And my encouragement is for you to begin praying about this. Okay? Here's number one. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And this is my number one point I want to show you is that grace givers give generously, not sparingly. They understand the law of sowing and reaping and they have faith for a harvest. This is so important for us to understand because when, if you sow little, you're going to reap little. If you sow a lot, the potential for you to have a greater harvest has increased. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying, and he's speaking specifically about the church finishing a commitment to receive this offering. They, grace, people that give according to grace upon them, they're not afraid to give to God. I mean, they remember the words that Jesus said when he says that the measure that you give it, it will be measured back to you. That's the law of sowing and reaping. And so the pressure is not upon you to have to do something so you'll be recognized or seen by others or you'll get some special benefit or some privilege. This is all a grace that's upon you to give generously and not sparingly. Here's the second thing I want you to see is that people that give with a grace that is upon their life, and this is what I'm praying for, that God, all of us, including Carrie and myself, that there would be a greater grace that would come upon our life to give not out of obligation or not just because it's the routine of what we do every year, but to give 
intentionally, which is the second one. Grace givers give intentionally, not randomly. Look, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I just love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses when I'm pastoring people when it comes to giving. Because it's so important for you to understand that God wants you to give according to the grace of what he's put in your heart to give. Now you say, well, do you believe in tithing? Actually, I do believe in tithing. Me and Carrie tithe. Our church tithes. That's 10% of our income. We, the church tithes. To, in fact, our missions budget at Christian Life... The saints that go here, you know this, but our missions budget is really simple at Christian Life. It, 10% is the beginning point of our giving at Christian Life that we sow into the kingdom of God every year. And we, it's always more. It's the same way with our personal finances. 10% is the beginning point of what we give. You got to have a lot of grace and faith to believe God for that. And this is what I'm saying to you is that people that are, are grace givers, they intentionally give. They've made some decisions in their heart and they give not reluctantly or under compulsion, but not randomly. And I want to show you something because I love this time of year when we do the legacy offering uh, because you have the opportunity to give intentionally towards some of the ministries that we are going to be establishing and operating in in 2024. We basically have four areas in which Christian life flows finances into the advancement of the kingdom. Now, again, those of you that are visitors today, I'm glad you came to church. You kind of we're, we're peeking under the hood here today. Those of you that are interested in the church, you ought to be really excited because you know you're getting a, you're getting introduced to the way that we do church at Christian Life. There are four ways that we give. Do you guys have that up, up there for me? I want you to see this. There, we, say, we call this four lanes of giving. The first is, is the lane of local missions. Like, for instance, we talked about the Compassion Ministry. There, there's a group here that feeds the homeless and works with them. There are all kinds of other things that we do local. And we flow money into that from, from our accounts, from your giving. There's the other area is national and global missions. I mean, for instance, India, we, you, for those of you that don't know, we're operating now where we are investing in two unreached people groups in West Africa right now. I'll be giving you a report on that next week. Two groups of people that are unreached now, you're, you are sending thousands and thousands of dollars into the field for them to come uh, into the kingdom of God. It's powerful what God is doing. Then there's next generation. This is all things next generation. We are always investing in our young people from, from our, our children to our middle schoolers to high schoolers to young adults. This is another area. And then the Christian Life people and the projects here at Christian Life. These are areas that you're able to give into. And I'll be giving you some reports on this. But I'm just saying that there's there, there, oftentimes there are people that have a grace upon them where they care so much about missions, unreached people groups. And there are others that care so much about people who are on the streets of Murfreesboro. And, 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 and I don't want you to start arguing. Well, we should be giving all our money to unreached people groups. And we, why should we be sending all of our money overseas when we have people that are in need here? See, I'm just saying that God gives grace upon certain people for particular things that he burdens them with. Some of you think we should be spending all of our money on our teenagers. Our teenagers need us. How many of you know our teenagers need us? There's a bunch of gray hair people in here that need us too. Come on, everybody. And so, see, there are opportunities for you to give intentionally to people and projects. 
Last year, it was a great joy at Christian Life to help people that had struggled financially, people that had lost their jobs, that were losing their houses. And because of your giving to Legacy Offering last year, we were able to salvage homes and help people sustain until they got new jobs. We were able to send people to counseling. We don't, we don't announce all that. We're not going to put pictures of people's faces up here. But I'm just telling you that you are making a difference for eternity when you give to, Christi to Christ through Christian Life Church. And so grace giving means that you have the opportunity to give from the grace that is upon you, the burden that God has given you to a, a very intentional area. Here's the third thing. Grace givers give willingly, not reluctantly. That's verse nine. They, they gave, you know, what they decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, here's the thing, everybody. I just want you to pray about it. I want you to pray about what you can give as a family or if you're single as a single person that's above the routine of your giving on December 3rd or during the month of December. I want you to ask the Lord to show you intentionally where you can invest. And we will collect these funds together. The first Sunday of the last month in the season of generosity, this is a time that we can come together, not because I'm demanding or commanding or you have to do this to be a member of Christian life, but because the need is so great and we can do more together than we could ever do by ourselves financially. I'm asking you to pray about it and I'm asking God to give you a heart to give. Not, that's not reluctant. That's, that's not grieved over it. I, I'm not commanding anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to pray about the amount. And whatever the Lord puts on your heart, then you respond to that. And here's a promise. Everybody, here's a promise that I'll make to you. If you'll learn how to give willingly and not reluctantly. If you'll learn how to give based on the grace that God has given you, instead of being out of guilt, then you're going to like that version of you a lot better than the person that groans and moans whenever it's time for you to give offerings to the Lord. When you learn how to give generously to the Lord and there's a grace upon your life, then you'll look at the person in the mirror and you'll like that version of you a lot better than the version maybe you like of yourself right now. Can you say amen? Here's number four. Grace givers, they have something that comes upon them that enables them to give joyfully and not sorrowfully. God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know. I'm not going to say this, but I'm just wondering um, if God loves cheerful givers, how does he feel about grumpy givers? There's been a lot of times I've said, Lord, forgive me for my grumpiness because I know what you love and I know th that you love me to trust you. You love me to sacrifice for you. You love me to be happy about what you've done for me and you love me to invest in helping the saints of God. So grace givers give joyfully, not sorrowfully. Cheerful givers are grace givers. Here's the last thing, everybody, and this is number five. Grace givers give thankfully and not regretfully. Can, can I just say one of the things that I think that the Lord has just emphasized to me through all of the many years I've been in ministry, which has been more than I really want to talk about. I just had a birthday, everybody, and I'm getting old. By the way, thank you for all the birthday wishes and all the love the last couple of months. But here's one of the things that I've learned. If I look back over everything that I'm not happy about what I did or what happened to me or what has happened in general with a regret, I would be a very miserable person. People that are filled with grace, everybody listen to me, this will help you get free. People that are grace filled people, they learn how to live without regret. Grace filled people 
learn how to absorb even mistakes that they've made and mistakes that others have made, hurts and disappointments, and are not spending their time going back, being miserable about the yesteryears. And here's the other thing. They don't let the regret of what may have happened inappropriately to them control what happens to them in regards to their good future. Living in regret will make you miserable. And specifically when we talk about giving, I find this so many times that sometimes you give to a ministry or you give to a family and you think this is really going to help them. And next thing you know, they don't handle your gifts very well. I don't, has, has that happened to anybody? I, I haven't shared this in a long time, but I remember years ago when I was young in ministry, there was a couple that we were ministering to and they had, be, they, they had been hit by this severe trial and they didn't have a vehicle. And I, me and my wife, this is when I was living in Louisiana, me and my wife decided that the Lord gave us the grace upon our life to give them our vehicle and that we would drive a truck. And so it was just, I mean, it, it wasn't an extravagant gift. It was a, just a little Toyota, a, you know, four-door little car. But they needed some transportation. And we figured that God gave us the grace to give this so that we would give it to them. It was the first car we gave away. And we were so happy about this, and they were so thrilled. And we, we, we both felt like, man, this, to talk about cheerful giving, this was the most wonderful thing we had ever done in our entire life. And we couldn't believe that God had blessed us to make this kind of sacrifice. And we were just abandoned to the call of God and grace giving. And I got a call about two weeks later. And the, the husband called me up and he said, we have a problem. I'm about to kill my wife. Can you come to my house? And so it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I leave my house. I'm going to do an intervention. This couple we've been working with for so many times, they, they were in trouble and we were already investing them. When I pulled up in the driveway, there was that little gold Toyota car and it had been beat to smithereens with a ball pin hammer. The wife got mad at the husband and she took the hammer to the car and absolutely, totally destroyed it. I got so mad. I'm like, how in the world am I going to go in there and try to bless these people when we, we look what they just did for our, with our offering? How would you have felt? I wanted to take my baseball bat in there to their, the rest of their furniture. I've not always been so calm and kind. I felt so betrayed. I had such regret. But you know what? I learned such a valuable lesson. When the offering leaves my hands because God gave me a grace to give it, it goes into the Lord's hands. It's no longer mine to control. Come on, everybody. I can give with good intentions, but the results of what happens to that, that's in the kingdom. That's, that's given to God, and I'm not going to live with regret. And some of you like, well, I gave to this preacher, and he did that, or I gave to this family, and they did that. We've, most of us have been there before. I've been there on more than one occasion, but I've just learned the secret to joy in giving, and that is, is that I give to God, and when it goes out of my bank account into the kingdom of God, I will refuse to ever have regret about what I just released. No matter how difficult the trial comes, I gave this to God, and I am trusting that God's going to take care of me and my future. Can you say amen? amen. So I'm just saying, if, when you give your legacy offering and you don't like something I do or something that we did, I'm just going to remind you of this sermon. Everybody, remember? Here's my promise to you. Everything that comes to the legacy offering, it's not going to salaries. It's not going to the routine expenses. We're not going to use it to pay the light bill. It's going to go right into the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God. 
your routine tithes and offerings, we build a budget on that. We don't budget on legacy offering. Legacy offering is the extra. I'm just giving you a commitment, everybody. If it's $50,000, it's all going to touch people's life. If it's $100,000, it's all going. If it's $200,000, it's all going. It's not going into our bank account. We're not saving it for a rainy day. Come on, everybody. This is, this is, this is not our reserve. It's going into the kingdom of God. And so, I'm praying for a grace to come upon your life, to believe that, to trust that, and a grace to come upon your families. Because, I, listen, what your families need, your children and your children's children need, is to understand the dynamics of the kingdom and to trust God with their future. So would you stand with me, everybody? I'm going to read these last few verses. Chapter 9, verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's grace, man. That's the gift of grace. He supplies seed for you to sow. And he increases it even. And he enlarges the harvest. It comes back to you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result thanksgiving to God. This is the season for this. Of generosity. Grace. Everybody just say grace. It's, it's a gift that you've received from God. It is an ability that comes from God that's beyond you. He said, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So grace giving grace givers they give generously not sparingly grace givers give intentionally not just randomly they they pray about this and they they obey what the lord puts on their heart grace giving they give willingly not reluctantly they're not just reluctant to jump in they they love the opportunity to to join with others in doing this. Grace giving. They give joyfully, not sorrowfully, and thankfully, not regretfully. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray particularly for those of you that are feeling overwhelmed financially right now. And even sitting here, you heard me say that you should give out of what you are able. And that you shouldn't give out of guilt or you shouldn't feel shame in what you can sow or not sow. But still inside of you, you feel like, how could I? Well, I want to increase your faith. And this is my prayer for you right out of the scripture. For all of us, I pray, God, will you supply seed for us to sow for our ministry year in 2024? And, and not only would you supply the seed, would, would you increase it? Everybody say that, increase it. Maybe you could pray that for the person next to you. You don't even have to speak to them. Just pray. God, increase their ability to give. And God, I pray that you would enlarge the harvest of what we are sowing, that it comes back to God's people. And I'm asking you, Lord, for legacy-minded people, that you would awaken aware, an awareness of this wonderful reality, that heaven is better than this, and eternity is real, and that you'd help us invest. And that together, Come on, everybody. We're standing shoulder to shoulder. This is my prayer. And that together, 
our generosity will result in an overflowing, overwhelming, incredible offering of thanksgiving to our God for what he has done. That's my prayer. How many of you know that God can do that and he's going to do that, everybody? Can you say amen to that? You know, I've been talking all morning about you contributing to a Christian life so that we can help minister to needs that are that we will anticipate. But I wonder how many needs are in here today. You know, I'm just going to echo what Landon said earlier. If you find yourself in here today and you came to church and you're thinking, oh, I didn't hear, I didn't come to church to hear the preacher preach about me giving to his home church. Maybe you came here with a need. We don't want to take a moment and miss the opportunity for you to get right with God. So where you're standing right now, if this, if, if this is you and you're in here today and you're like, you know, I came to have an encounter with God. God's here and he knows it. And now's the time. Here's the opportunity. Would everybody just bow your heads with me right now? Come on all over the room. Would you all pray this with me? And especially those that have a need, I would love for you just to pray this prayer and just say, God, I need you now. Come on, say that with me. God, I need you now more than ever. I'm aware of my great need. And I have some hope. Come on, say that. I have some hope. I have some faith that you love me and you want to help me. So I'm opening up my life to you today. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know what my next steps are. But I'm asking you to guide me. And I'm surrendering myself to the grace of God. So would you put the pieces together? And I'll do my best to serve you. And surrender to you. And learn to love you. More than I ever have before. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name. Wow, what a great prayer. Come on, everybody. Can we give the Lord praise for that?